Hello, you guys. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of My Thoughts Exactly. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so, so happy that you are here. Happy Thursday, you guys, or whatever day you're listening to this, but this comes out on a Thursday. So happy Thursday. I would like to say that it is a magnificent day today. I am in a spectacular mood and I will tell you why. If you remember from last week's episode, I think I told you guys this. I'm pretty sure I talked about it a lot in the vlog that we did last week, but last Tuesday, so a week ago, exactly, I lost my taste and smell. (laughs) Love that for us. And I was convinced it was COVID. I took a COVID test. It was negative. I told you guys that it was negative. You guys all said, you know, I had a false negative test and da 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 I took another test. That was negative. Living in a tasteless and smell-less world for about a week. And it's one of those things, you know, when you get sick, like when you have a cold or something and you're like, I'm never going to get better. Like I'm never going to feel normal again. I know I had that when like I broke my back and I was in so much pain and I was like, I'm never going to feel like a normal person again. I'm never going to like not have this pain. It's the same thing, like going tasteless and smell smellless. I was like, I'm never going to taste anything again. I'm never going to smell anything again. And you don't really realize, or at least I didn't realize how pivotal that sense is and like how I'm I was never hungry like nothing tasted good nothing sounded good you know I had no appetite nothing was like I don't know and like I I was always just like this is never gonna get better like I don't feel like this is ever gonna get better and I have lost my taste and smell in the past I talked to you guys about that too how I think it was like it was like two years ago I lost my taste and smell for about a week and then a couple weeks later I lost it again for about a week and then I'm pretty sure I lost it that last year for a little bit but I don't have as precise of a memory on that one but I'm pretty sure I did last year as well so I don't know if this is just like a yearly occurrence that like is going to be stuck in my life forever now or if there is there was like actually something going on I did set up a doctor's appointment that I have to I'm just like telling you guys everything I did set up a doctor's appointment that I'm supposed to go to tomorrow but now that I have my taste and smell back I'm like should I go should I not go pardon me saying just don't go because a lot of people said that it could be allergies. I've never really experienced allergies, but I know people who have allergies, but no one's ever said like, oh yeah, it takes away your taste and smell. Like, I feel like that's kind of a stretch. I can understand it taking away your smell, but your taste too. I don't know. Seems like a little bit of a stretch, especially because I didn't have like any other really daunting symptoms. Everything was really mild and really light, but Anyways, alas, we are here and I can taste and smell again. So it is a great, great day. And as you guys can tell by the title of today's episode, today we are doing a What Would Sav Do? I like to do these once a month. They are always fun to do. I like to do these once a month at the beginning of the month. It's just a really fun way to like kick off the month in my opinion and I love being able to interact with you guys and so if you want to be a part of the next what would Sav do or really any interaction when it comes to the podcast make sure you go follow the podcast Instagram which is just my thoughts exactly podcast I'm constantly posting on there talking about different episode topics and getting your guys's opinions on things that we can talk about here so if that's something that you want to be a part of and don't want to miss next time definitely go and check it out and make sure you're also following my Instagram as well. It's just my main page at Savannah Brimer because I ask you questions on there too. Is that enough plugging? Have I plugged you in enough today? Okay, so 
my thoughts exactly if you're not or not my thoughts exactly sorry what would sav do if you're not familiar what would sav do is a segment that we have started here where it's essentially a uh, what were those things in the newspaper? It was like Dear Diary, but not Dear Diary. It was like Dear, I don't know, like Becky or like Dear Diana or whoever. And it was like they would write some sort of, you know, question or problem that they were having. And then the person who was writing and like a part like in charge of it all would like write back and be like, this is what I would do. And they would put it in the newspaper. Am I crazy or was that a thing? I'm pretty sure that was a thing. Anyways, this is my version of it. It's called What Would Sav Do? You guys let me know what's going on in your life. And I respond by telling you what I would do in your situation. So again, if that's something you want to be a part of in the future, make sure you go and follow the Instagram so that you never miss it. So we are going to jump in today. And a lot of you actually had longer ones. It's funny to see, like, sometimes you guys are really just like able to fit everything in the small boxes. Sometimes it's like, screw the small boxes. You guys send me like paragraphs and I love it. So here we go. First one. Hey, Sav, I've had a super strong connection with this guy for over a year now and just recently started hooking up. We aren't together, but we have always had a thing for each other. He always goes back to his apartment six hours away so he can work and obviously do school. There's something about this kid I can't put my finger on, but he feels fucking special. If my best friend were in this situation, I'd tell her to drop him, but I swear to you, he's literally my dream guy and he makes me so happy. Clearly, I'm in too deep and I don't know what to do. Okay, personally, for me... I don't see this as a negative. I almost don't think anything needs to be fixed in this situation. From what you're saying, you guys just recently started hooking up. So I feel like there was like a time period because you said you've like had a connection with them for over a year now. There was a time period where you guys were just friends and talking and flirting or chat, whatever you were doing. You just recently started hooking up. So you've kind of made it into this gradual phase of being able to talk and really connect on an emotional level. And now you're hooking up and that's great. I don't think that this is a situation where you need to drop him. I think that this is a good thing. I don't think you have a problem here. If you're worried about liking him too much or feeling like this is inconvenient because because he lives six hours away. There's not much you can do to control that. And so I would focus on the things that you can control in the situation, which is just how you feel and how you're perceiving what's going on. And for that, I would say things are going really well because you clearly like him. You guys clearly have a strong connection. You've known each other for a long time. It sucks that he lives six hours away, but you can kind of just enjoy the ride while it lasts for right now until you guys have to get to a point of having a conversation in the future. I'm sorry if that's like not the best advice to give but I honestly like I feel like you're in a good situation because I think that it's important to not focus on the things that we can't control which is something that I've learned recently I've always been a control freak always been someone who's like needs to control every facet and avenue of everything that way it all lines up exactly the way I perceive it in my mind exactly the way I want it and I like it but that's just not realistic and honestly we're not meant to control everything so right now the inconvenience part of this is that he has to go back to his apartment which is six hours away for work and school. If you truly feel in your heart of hearts that there's something special about him, there's something special about your connection, I don't think that there's any reason that you shouldn't keep exploring it and just enjoying it for the time being until a conversation comes up about where this is going in the future. Hey Sav, so there's this guy in my friend group at home who I had a thing with last summer. He's your typical fuckboy and we all get together to drink and have fun. I have a boyfriend and we're pretty serious about it, but we're currently doing long distance for the summer until we go back to school. He doesn't want me hanging out with the group because of what happened last summer with the guy and the advances he's made recently. I don't want to give up my friend group, but I also want to make my boyfriend feel comfortable. 
help. Okay. I think that there is a way that two things can exist at once. I think that you can maintain your friend group while also maintaining a healthy and positive relationship with your boyfriend. I think the important thing to remember right now is that the I think what's important right now, the priority right now is making sure that your boyfriend is comfortable because in return, when your boyfriend's comfortable and happy, you're going to be able to have like more of a clear head and feel happy in your friend group. You're not going to be stressed. You're not going to have like a voice in the back of your head saying, oh, he wouldn't like this or oh, he would get mad at me, whatever it is. So what I would do is two things. I would have a serious conversation with your boyfriend and say, listen, I understand why you would feel the way that you do. I want you to know that I have absolutely no feeling whatsoever for, you know, Steven. And I want you to know that I really value your happiness. But at the same time, these are my friends. I've known them for years. We're all just one big friend group. And simultaneously, I would have a conversation with this guy, the fling from last summer, and say, listen, I have a boyfriend. This is done. Whatever this was, was in the past. It's not happening again. I need you to respect that boundary. And any normal person should be able to respect that boundary. I understand that's like kind of an uncomfortable conversation to have, but in the end, for everyone to maintain their happiness and just like not feel uncomfortable, you included, I think it's really important to set that boundary and be firm in that and be like, I'm not. Like I am not risking what I have right now for another stupid summer fling with a fuckboy that you could have any day of the week. You know, it's just not worth it. So I would. So again, I think two things can exist at the same time. You can have your friend group, but you can also make sure your boyfriend feels comfortable. Like sometimes I think it's easy for us to be like, oh my God, like he's overreacting, meaning your boyfriend. Like, oh my God, like I just, you know, he's overreacting. We're just friends, whatever. Put yourself in their shoes, I think is really important to do. Like if he was in this situation and he had a friend group and there was a girl who he had a fling with and she kept trying to flirt with him and whatever, you probably wouldn't be happy either. So ask yourself what you would want done in that situation and then do that for your boyfriend. That's my opinion. Hey, Sav, talking to a guy that's engaged, he says his fiance cheated on him. And recently when I asked if he's still with her, he said he's committed to himself and has been saying that he wants to get to know me and is flirting with me. I know this is messy, but I can't seem to stop talking to him. I really like him and need advice. You guys, we've talked about this before. We don't go after, we don't talk to people's fiancés, people's boyfriends, people's baby daddies. We don't do it. The reason we don't do it is because it's messy. And do I believe for a split second that he's still with his fiancé? Yes, of course I do. And you should too. Of course he's with his fiancé. I think it's really easy sometimes in this situation to feel special right you feel right now that you're talking to a guy you feel like you're clicking you're vibing whatever he has a fiance and he's choosing you over his fiance because he's like flirting with you and talking to you whatever it's bullshit it's such bullshit and it's such a game don't fall for it do you know how many other guys are out there that you will connect with and vibe with and flirt with and feel like oh my god there's something so special about him that won't have a fiance why would you want to put yourself and insert yourself into that drama because here's the thing even if like he is you know okay let's say he breaks up with his fiance right he breaks up with his fiance do you think he's really going to be ready to jump right back into a relationship right off the bat Probably not. It's probably not going to happen. It's probably going to take some time. He's probably going to want to be single for a while. You just don't want to be the one to insert yourself into that type of drama. It's not going to end well for you. And this whole, you know, I'm committing to myself right now. No, he has a fiance. His fiance cheated on him. That's shitty. But do we know that to be a fact? Maybe not. Maybe the 
maybe he's lying. Maybe he's using it as a guilt trip tactic. There's a million things that could be happening here right now. But I think what's important to remember is the facts of this. And the fact is that he has a fiance. And the fact is also that inserting yourself into a situation like this is not going to end well for you. I think that it's better for yourself to have more respect for yourself and be like, okay, I am going to remove myself from this situation. If he ends things with his fiance, great, but I'm not going to involve myself with him right now because clearly there's a lot, because clearly there's a lot of mess going on and I don't want to involve myself in mess. So you can tell him, I'm not going to involve myself in your mess. Call me when you break up, have a great life. That's the conversation that I would have because truthfully, you are not going to gain anything out of this and you are being played. I hate to say it. I really do. But I have a hard time believing that there is a world that exists where he is going to break up with his fiance and run to your doorstep and be Prince Charming. I just don't see it happening. And maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. So that's what I have to say about that. Hey, Sav, I'm not happy with my career, but I don't want to disappoint my parents with a career change. What would Sav do? I think that this is really important to talk about. I don't think it's something that gets talked about enough, which is the pressure to be placed into a certain box or career path in this instance based on what the people around you are wanting you to do and the expectations that they set for you. The fact of the matter is, is that if you are living in a world where your focus lies in being a people pleaser, making people happy. We have a whole episode on this. You should go listen to it. But um, if your whole life revolves around being a people pleaser and making other people happy, you in turn are not serving yourself any good. You're not serving yourself in prioritizing your own happiness. And that's a shitty position to be in. And it's going to drain you. It's going to debilitate you. And it's going to put you into a dark place because you're not going to ever feel fulfilled because you're not doing what makes you happy. You're not doing what you want to do. And at the end of the day, your parents should love you no matter what. If you decide that you want to change careers, that should be something that they support. If they've wanted you to be a doctor your whole life or whatever it is, and then you say, you know what, that's not what makes me happy, I, and I'm going to switch. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do something that I want to do that lights up my world, that actually fulfills me, even if you haven't found it yet. You can be on your process to finding that. And they should be supportive in that because they're your parents. It's not your job to please them for the rest of your life, but it is their job to love and respect your decisions. Love and respect your decisions as long as you're not hurting yourself or anyone else. Just so we're clear. FYI. <laughs> okay, here we go. Hey, Sav, I got married in March and kicked out a bridesmaid. For my bachelorette, she said she couldn't go because she had a baby and she had no money. I completely understood. Then, while on my bachelorette, I saw that she was partying in San Diego and Mexico, posting it like crazy. She said that someone else paid for the trip, but even then, she should have let me know. She was always making fun of me subtly over the years, saying that I was just joking, and I realized I needed to be done. After the fight, she called me, I ghosted her, and we never talked again. Fast forward, her best friend is my best friend. Now I feel like the relationship is so awkward between me and my best friend because she took that girl's side. My best friend was a bridesmaid at my wedding too and legit made me cry at my rehearsal dinner. 
She favors her and I just feel so slighted. Do I kick my now best friend to the curb too? Help. I don't want any toxicity in my life, especially being newly married. Just don't know how to navigate this. My best friend says that she is over it and will be best friends with both of us, but nothing feels the same. Okay, you guys, sometimes I really want you to write out your message and then read it back to yourself again because there is nothing in that message and well in any of them but this one in particular that I just read that points to any redeeming quality of either of the people that you spoke about I'm sure they do have some because obviously they were both your best friends at some point but if you are living in a life you said it yourself you don't want to live in a life of toxicity you don't want to have toxic people around you or negative people around you people that bring you down I know we've talked about this before and I don't know about you guys, but for me personally, I would so much rather have no friends than have toxic friends, have no friends and have friends that bring me down, friends that don't make me feel good about myself, friends that just are friends that are just blatantly rude. I would just rather have no friends. And so personally for me in this situation, I think you should kick both of them to the curb. They want to be best friends with each other. Go for it. Because the fact of the matter is in this little best friend, ex-best friend triangle, you're never going to feel like you can completely trust the best friend that you have now because she's simultaneously best friends with your ex-best friend. Does that make sense? So you're never going to be able to fully trust her. You're never going to be able to fully open up to her because you don't know what she's saying behind your back. Same goes for her and your ex-best friend. Like, I think that it would just be better to clean the slate, start over. Let's just find new friends for you. I think that that's going to be the most important just because this just seems draining and you've now entered a new chapter of your life where you got married, which is so exciting and you shouldn't feel this heavy of a weight when it comes to your friendships you should have friendships with people that lift you up that make you feel so good about yourself where you bring positivity into each other's lives and I think that if anyone is giving you any less than that then it's just not necessary so for me I would kick them both to the curb I would find new friends Hey, Sav, do I tell my situationship I want commitment? I am so scared of rejection. So I don't know if you guys remember, this is just like a mini story time, but I told you guys the full story a couple episodes ago. So back in my like most insane situationship story was very similar to this mindset of being afraid of rejection. We had met in December on a dating app and we had been seeing each other for about seven months right? Okay. Yeah. Fucking nuts. Won't do it again. Learn from my mistakes. In those seven to eight months, we would see each other. Like it would start at like once every two weeks. And then it was like once every week. And then it was like a couple times a week, whatever. So we were seeing each other a lot. We became exclusive. I broke my own code of exclusives. Not dating is not a thing, but we became exclusive and I was taking anything I could get. And that's why I broke my own rule because I was so scared of rejection. I was so scared that I would, you know, make him mad and he would walk away I was so scared of not being with him for no fucking reason by the way I was just so warped and wrapped around his finger because on paper he was perfect I thought that he was everything that I could have ever wanted he you know had a good head on his shoulders he came from a good family he had a great job like he was just a normal fucking person when I had been dating like psychos in the past so I was like the first green flag I saw I just like clung to and so I was just 
you know, enamored by him and I was terrified of rejection. So I never brought anything up until it was like, you know, the talk of being exclusive. And then we agreed on being exclusive. And I like inched forward in the conversation of, okay, now we're exclusive. Like, when does this transition happen? And I was always so afraid to bring it up because I was so afraid of rejection. And I was afraid of him not wanting me anymore. I was afraid of him not wanting to, you know, explore this anymore. I was, and by the way, like this, I was getting like, if I was giving, let's say I gave like 80% to this, he gave like negative 25. Like he was so nowhere near like the bare minimum even like nowhere near the bare minimum, but I took whatever I could get because again, I was so afraid of rejection. And I remember I did not do it the right way. And so I'm going to tell you the way I did it. And then I'm going to tell you the way I should have done it and the way I should have addressed it. So the way that I addressed it, which was not the right way to go about things was I waited until we were both way too drunk to have this conversation. And I asked if he was still on dating apps because I figured since we were exclusive, he was not going to be on them. And uh, he told me that he was still on dating apps. And if I asked him to delete them, then he would not. And when he said that, I saw red. I don't remember the last time I was ever actually that angry and everything from the last seven to eight months of just like the anxiety and like the nervousness and everything that I had been piling up inside of me because I never expressed to him how I feel. I never was like, you know, explaining my side of things. You know, I always just kept my mouth shut. I just, you know, sat pretty and just didn't say anything because I didn't want to make any sudden movements because God forbid that like freaked him out. And so it all just came out. I was saying everything under the sun and I got mean. Like that was a conversation where I can admit, like I I got, I, I hit below the belt a few times and I shouldn't have done that. And after that conversation, you know, I still was so afraid of losing him that I just accepted what he wanted us to be, which was, exclusive but still being allowed to see other people I don't I don't fucking know you guys if you're confused so was I and so I just accepted it because I was still so afraid of rejection and then after about a month of that I physically mentally could not take it anymore I was spiraling I was going crazy and I just called him and I was like I just I can't do it I cannot do it and we both mutually agreed and he was very arrogant and then we then we hung up it was that that was it um but that's what I did and here's why I think that I should have played things out very very differently is because I was so scared of rejection but I wasn't losing anything he lost me I did not lose him I lost someone who what was giving me maybe five percent on a good day and I was just grasping at straws taking anything that I could give I literally I saw our like situation whatever as a string and over time this is just how I imagined it in my head over time I slowly saw that string just getting older and thinner and like you know when string gets wet I don't know why I think about this but you know when string gets wet and then it wears down over time before ultimately it breaks I felt that that's like what our situation was doing over time. We were just dwindling down to the very last straw before ultimately it broke. And what I wish so much earlier that I had done is I wish that I stood up for myself. I wish that I, I wish that I had more respect for myself. And I wish that I realized again, I was not losing anything. 
I wasn't. And what's so weird is the second that we ended things, I mean, yeah, there was a little bit of sadness in it, but I felt so relieved. It was so strange. I felt like the biggest weight was lifted off my shoulders. I felt so fucking relieved. I felt like I could breathe again. And I know that sounds dramatic, but it was just weighing down on me so much. And what I would give advice to in this situation is to not be afraid of that rejection. Because if someone is unwilling to commit to you or someone is willing to see your full potential and what you can offer them and what they can offer you, then they are not your person. I think situationships are so confusing. I think that they can be fun for a little bit, but then after a, like after a little bit of time, they just become a mess. I think that it's really important. What I learned from that is from my situation is I never want to put myself through that again. And I'm not going to be afraid anymore to walk away from situations that are no longer serving me. I drained all of my energy out just to get like a little bit from him. And that was so damaging and so toxic and granted in his defense it's not like he knew he didn't necessarily do anything wrong I was just accepting the behavior that he was giving because I was scared I couldn't get any more I would rather live with that than live without him and what I've realized now is that's just not the fucking way that I want to live I would rather be alone be single and find someone who meets me at that level rather than drain my time, drain my energy with someone who can barely give me the bare minimum. So in this situation, I would, you know, it's all, you know, context. I don't know how long you've, you know, been in the situation or whatever, but I think it's really important to remember that you are in the driver's seat and not something that I failed to realize for a long time is that you call the shots we're all scared of rejection. No one likes rejection. Is it possible? Yes. But if it happens, you can reframe that in your mind and change the perspective from it being something that's sad and, you know, it sucks and whatever, which it will for a minute, it'll sting, but it's going to give you a new perspective and it's going to shift you into the into the direction that you were meant to go in. Truthfully and honestly, like honestly, you guys, after that situation was over, I like, I was done with California. I moved to Nashville. That's how over it was. And now I have a boyfriend. I have a dog. I have a house. I'm very happy. And so everything happens for a reason. So don't shy away from that because it's going to happen one way or another, right? Like that kind of situation, that kind of conversation is going to happen one way or another. So I wouldn't shy away from it. And I would just lean into the uncomfortability of it and have the conversation. Okay. That was like the longest answer ever. Sorry, you guys got a mini story time out of that, but I just needed, I felt like it it matched. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hey, Zab, what would you do if there was an elephant on your bed when you walked into your bedroom? Can we like have the questions be like that from now on? I love that question. What would I do? Um, hmm. Well, first of all, would I hear it going in? How, it, how did it get there? How did it get there? Am I walking home one day and I walk in and it's there? I think I would freak out. It, my bed would be broken. My bedroom floor would probably be broken. The elephant would have probably fallen through. 
I, I don't know. What do you do in that situation? What does someone do? I, I don't know. I'd probably try and pet it, but I've heard elephants can kind of be mean. So I don't know if I would want to do that. I truthfully don't know. I would be happy because I love elephants, but I would be very, very scared at the same time because that's like the most concerning and confusing and how does that even happen thing ever. So I don't know. What would you do? That's a better question. What would you do? Hey, Sab, I just left a narcissist and I feel alone. What are things to start doing and trying? Okay, so first of all, I'm very proud of you. I'm very happy for you. And I know that it feels scary and it can feel like a confusing time. You can feel alone, like you said. But just as I mentioned in the last answer, I think it's really important to look at it in a perspective standpoint. Like you knew what you had to do in order to end that relationship you knew you had to leave. And now the world is kind of your oyster. And that is a really exciting thing. I would start by just learning more about yourself. I know it sounds so cheesy, but like I would try everything. I would try everything you've always wanted to do and see what sticks. I would try picking up a new hobby. I would go try reading a new book. I would start going to different workout classes and seeing which ones I liked. I would start, you know, trying to make plans with more friends. I would start trying to do a lot of different things, A, to fill up my time and kind of distract me from the fact of, you know, the breakup and whatnot. But B, by doing that, you're really going to start to discover yourself more and see what you like, see what you don't like. I would work on romanticizing in your life. I talk about this almost like every episode I mention this and we do have an episode all about that and just different ways that you can incorporate that. Just making your days feel more exciting, making your life feel more fulfilled in this moment right now where you feel alone and just kind of lost and not knowing what to do. There is beauty in that. There is beauty in the fact that now you are in control of your life. You get to decide what you want to do. You get to decide what you want to try. I would start with like little hobbies. You know, if you want to do like a painting class or again, just like some sort of workout class or something of that nature, just to get out and do something different. I think it's important to to try different things. And I think in trying different activities, going classes again are a great example or like Facebook groups even too, or like Bumble BFF, different ways that you can like meet people, meet different friends, people with similar interests interests that you can start connecting with and make friendships and grow your social circle. Those are just the things that I would start doing in order to create your new normal. Okay, here is the last one. Hey, Sav, I'm going to grad school. I have to move over three hours away from my boyfriend, but I haven't told him yet. What would Sav do? Okay, this is a really important practice for like all conversations that you have, even with like friends and family and whoever. I always think that this is a really important practice to have. And this is something that I used to talk about with my therapist a lot because I would overthink conversations like to the most debilitating degree and I wouldn't even know where my head was at so I was so worried about what someone else was going to say what they were going to think you know what how the conversation was going to go and something that really helped me during that is by having an end goal of the conversation meaning what did I specifically me want out of the conversation what did I want the end result to be so for example in this situation I would apply it to this by saying like okay I have to move X amount of hours away. I need to have that conversation with him. I want to stay together. 
right? That's what my goal is. My goal is to stay together. So when I approach the conversation, I'm going to be like, hey, listen, I need to talk to you about this. This is the reality of it. I obviously want to still continue our relationship, but I want to, but I do want to see how you feel about everything. And if we can come to a compromise and a middle ground and find a way to make it work that way, it's not just like an open ended, like, what do you think about that? Because like, this just, that's not productive and it's not helping anyone. It's not making the conversation go anywhere. So I would approach it from, this is the reality this is what my goal is. What do you feel about that? And I don't think that's selfish at all. I think it's really important to state where you're at. And I think it's also important in order to help guide the conversation because when it it's like an up in the air question, then it just doesn't, it's not productive or it's not as productive. Obviously you want them to be able to give their feedback, their perspective, their opinion, and both things can exist at the same time. You can state what your goal is while someone is also telling you how they feel about it because it probably will be an adjustment. But for me in this situation, first of all, I don't think that this is necessarily a bad thing. Like you're going to grad school, you're doing something that's really important to you clearly. And yeah, it is going to suck that you guys are going to have to be long distance and that's going to be a conversation that you have to figure out. But there's ways to do that as well it's not like no one's been in a long distance relationship before if that's what you want you find ways to say okay let's create a schedule you know let's before I go let's create a schedule let's set up dates and let's set up dates where we know we're going to see each other so we have something to look forward to every time that we have to leave let's set up another date that way we always know when we're going to see each other again I think those are the little things that are important in order to help like continuing the momentum of the relationship and those are the little things that I would bring into that conversation to show that you thought this through I think I just think that's really important so that is my thoughts you guys those are my answers I hope that this was helpful and thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of my thoughts exactly if you haven't already make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button that way you never miss an episode we post weekly every Thursday on the podcast and on YouTube as well and you're not going to want to miss it I'll be back next week with a brand new episode for you guys and I will see you then bye guys